right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Positively Family Law. Um, today, we are going to talk about protection orders in the state of Massachusetts. Just a disclaimer, we are only licensed in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. So if you are watching this and you're in another state, you know, welcome. We're happy to have you. But if you're looking for legal advice, make sure you are looking for it in the state where your case is to make sure that you're getting the best information because we hate to have you have wrong information and then deal with that problem. So, alrighty. So there are, there are two main protection orders in the state of Massachusetts, correct Heather? Um, yes, I, I think I know where you're going. So yes, okay. <laughs> there's kind of three, but oh. there's two main ones. All right. So the two main ones are an abuse protect prevention order, which or a 209A, and then there is a harassment prevention order, which is the 258E. What's the third one that you're talking about? The third one is applicable only to divorce cases. So it's it's called a vacate order. It's very similar to a restraining order. However, what it does is basically order one spouse out of the home. And if they come back to the home, then they can get arrested. So it's very, it's very similar, but it's a different purpose for a very specific reason. Okay. So like you said, it's really only for like divorce situations. It's not like anybody can just go get it. No, you have to have a divorce pending. Okay, perfect. So let's start with a 209A or an abuse prevention order. What can you tell us about that? Oh, a whole lot. So <laughs> um, do you have specific questions of what, where you want to go with it or? Um, I was thinking maybe we could do like a brief overview just so someone kind of understands what exactly that would cover. And then we could go over some examples as to when that would be a good idea for you to, you know, get that type of order, like what examples you could give. Sure. So uh, an abuse prevention order is basically for people who are in relationships, um, whether you're married, whether you are boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, um, if you live together, you can get it. Even if you're not in an intimate relationship, um, if you are family members with somebody like you can get a restraining order against your mother or your father. Um, so you have to fall into the specific category that allows someone to get a restraining order. Um, it requires a showing of a, a physical harm, a sexual abuse of some sort or the fear, and it has to be a rational fear of physical harm. So we see sometimes, and we have seen people get them, if one person is just being mean, you know, if somebody is just calling them names, um, you know, harassing them, being inappropriate. We have seen instances, uh-oh, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Oh, okay, it disappeared off my screen. Um, we have seen instances where people have been able to get restraining orders for that, However, it's not necessarily the correct burden. So if somebody is physically abusing you, obviously you qualify for a restraining order. If somebody is threatening and often, you know, the, within a relationship, it can get a little heated and somebody can say something like, oh my God, like, I wish you were dead or I could kill you right now. That might not necessarily do it. And that's where the rational, the reasonableness of the fear is, um, that could do it, you know, if it's, if it's repetitive, if there's anything, you know, if you say he's punched me in the face before, or she's pulled the knife on me before, 
And then you're getting these text messages of, you know, I could kill you right now. That might be enough to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. But typically, you know, um, threats without actual the desire or intent to cause harm um, might not be enough to satisfy it, but it's really the totality of the circumstances. Um, If somebody, and and we really ask a lot of questions when somebody calls in to get a restraining order to be able to meet the burden of that, you know, if somebody, if if there's um, arguments, so even if it's just verbal arguments, but Mm -hmm. one person, let's say, they follow you around the house screaming at you. You're just trying to get away from them. And they, they're they screaming, they're yelling. You run into a, like, let's just say it's a walk-in closet or a room with a door. Um, and they follow you in and they corner you. That might be enough, you know, if, if they're right up in your face, if they're spitting in your face when they're talking to you. If, um, you know, again, it's the totality of the circumstances, but it has to be such that you feel that you are afraid of actual harm because that's the burden that needs to be met. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any sexual coercion, if there's sexual assault, if there's forced rape, um, if somebody is saying to you, if you don't let me have sex with you, you know, when you go off to work tonight, I'm going to take it on the kids that would probably do it. So there has to be met that the burden of showing that there's harm, a threat of harm, um, to be able to get that restraining order. Okay. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, people, when they contact us, a good thing to remember when you have a, uh, a restraining order is make sure you have a copy of the affidavit, because normally when you call an attorney's office, they're going to want to see that they're going to want to see a copy of the order. They're going to want to see, and this is, you know, whether it's taken out on you or whether you're taking it out on someone else and you're trying to get it extended or something like that, make sure you have all the paperwork necessary. Cause that's really going to be the best way for any attorney to understand the situation in totality. Well, and Maybe. I think with that, just so we walk through you know, there, there's obviously two sides of the restraining order. There's the person who is seeking the restraining order to get the protection from the abuse they're alleging. Then mm-hmm. there is the person on the receiving end of the restraining order who is allegedly the person who is doing the actions that, that cause the other person to be need to be protected. Mm-hmm. So how the whole process starts is in two different ways. It can either be done at the courthouse Um, if it's typical business hours, it needs to be done at court. So Monday through Friday, 8.30 AM to, I believe they go right up until five. Although I think sometimes the cutoff is like 4.30. Um, if it's during that time that you need a a restraining order, you have to go to court to get it. If it's after hours or during the weekend, you can go to your local police station and you can ask for an emergency restraining order which you'll give the police the, the itinerary of what happened. You'll sign the affidavit there. They'll call it into an all-call judge, and that judge will decide whether or not you've qualified for an emergency restraining order. So those are the two ways. If, if you do it at the police station, you still have to fill out an affidavit, and then you have to go back to court on the very next business day. So let's say you get it at 8 o'clock on a Friday night. You would have to be in court 8 a.m. or 8.30 a.m. Monday morning. Um, Once you go back to court, right now it's a little bit different because it's virtual. So sometimes it might be the victim advocate who's taking the notes and it's not you actually filling out the affidavit by yourself. Mm -hmm. But typically you will have to refill out all the paperwork at court. 
if we weren't living this virtual world of the pandemic. You know, everything's a little bit different with that. Um, otherwise, you would go into court the first time, you'd make your application for your restraining order. If it's extended, then it, it's typically extended for a 10-day period to allow the other party to get served. And then they have a right to come back into court and give the judge their story as to why they should, the restraining order should not be extended. So now when you're dealing, you know, we went over abuse prevention order, what is the difference between a harassment prevention order? So a harassment prevention order can only be obtained in district court. Um, It's not something that can be obtained in family court. So a restraining order can be obtained in either place. If, if there's an ongoing, if there's ongoing litigation in regards to children, you typically want to have it heard in family court. If there isn't, then you can choose whichever one you want to go to. Um, but a harassment pre- prevention order can only be heard in, in district, and it requires at least three individual incidences of harassment that also meet the burden of a threat or some sort of physical or property damage. So there, ha- there has to be, it's usually more than, you know, this person continues to text me over and over and over again, and I want them to stop. Um, there would have to be more than just that. If there were threats involved in that, that might do it. Um, but it, you have to throw show three specific instances. Okay. So I know you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the emergency restraining order. So obviously there are a few different, I don't want to say types, but, you know, there's the emergency restraining order. There's an ex parte protective order. Um, there's a long-term order and order, excuse me, and a permanent order. What exactly, can you go over all of those to better, you know, understand what exactly goes into any of those options? Sure. So where I was talking about, if you go to the police station, um, that's your emergency restraining order. You know, that means you've got something on an emergency basis that, again, you have to go right back into court for. If you go into court the first time, you can get what's called an ex parte restraining order, also an emergency type of restraining order. But all ex parte means is you're doing it by yourself, you know, and the other side isn't there at that point. So when you do that, you'd go in, you fill out the application, you present it to the judge, the judge will ask you some questions about what you've put in your affidavit, and then decide whether to grant the, the restraining order or not. If they grant it, again, it's a 10-day, in Massachusetts, a 10-day period where, um, sorry, where um, the other side has the chance to come back in. Now, once there's that two-party hearing, that's when the judge will typically either deny it the extension or will extend it typically for a year. Now there can be different um, lengths outside of the year. I've had restraining orders and you see this more often if there's, you know, a divorce that just got started or a custody matter that just got started. And the conflict seems to be coming more from the party separating. And once that happens, the judges kind of look at, okay, well, once you guys aren't together any longer, maybe this conflict will subside and we'll only extend this for, let's say three months or six months, you know, to kind of give a cool down period. But typically you're looking at about a one-year extension. And then every single year, both parties have to go back in. If the plaintiff, so if the person who's asking for the restraining order doesn't show up at the extension hearing, it automatically terminates at the end of the day. 
So if they want that restraining order to extend, they have to go to court. If the other side wants to fight it, they have to go to court. If you miss that court date, it can be very, very difficult to fight it again later. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, it's extended on a year-to-year -year basis. If the abuse was severe enough and the the restraining order, you know, the judge finds that there's a need for continued protection, they can extend a lifetime restraining order. Um, there's a little bit of a higher burden to meet that. There's a notice requirement. Um, you have to tell the other side that you're looking for that, uh, you know, typically in advance. Mm -hmm. And um, that just means they have a restraining order for the rest of their life and they don't need to go back. Okay. And, you know, I, you know, when you talk about all these different orders and everything like that, it obviously is very dependent on the specific situation. So, you know, if you're unsure if you have enough evidence and you want to look into getting one of these types of orders, you know, sitting down with an attorney is definitely going to help. And our attorneys deal with this all the time. We can schedule consultations and you guys can really kind of dive in to the details to see if you have enough to provide that type of proof to get the orders to protect yourself. And I, I do also want to add that if, if you are in a situation or if you know of someone who is in a situation where they are undergoing physical harm or a threat of physical harm at the time, that is not the right time to call us. <laughs> and we've had this happen. I remember um, a woman who called us, you know, I, I think it, I spoke about closets earlier, but I think it was actually from our closet and you could hear, you know, her husband pounding on the door and she's calling us instead of the police. You know, if, if you are in immediate danger, call the police. Now, I also understand not everybody wants to involve the police for a number of different reasons. You know, if you're in a relationship and you, you actually love that other person, even though they're acting inappropriately, you might not want to call the police to get them in trouble because often it lands them with a domestic assault and battery charge that they're then fighting in court. You might be afraid of them losing their job. We see that we, we unfortunately see that quite a bit with police officers, you know, where the, the spouse of the officer is afraid to call in because they don't want the person to lose their job because they're helping support the house, their children. You know, there's a number of reasons why you might not want to call the police. But if you're in a situation where your safety is really in jeopardy, that should be the, the place that you're calling is that 911 and then us later. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, we can't come to your house and save you. We've we've had we've ended up calling the police for people um, yeah. because there's there really is nothing we can do in that immediate situation other than get somebody there for your own safety. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, I think a big question that I usually get when I talk to people about restraining orders is, you know, oh well, uh, his name's on the house, or you know, like using a man and woman, but like if. If, you know, one party, if they live together and they think, oh, if I get a restraining order, I'm going to get kicked out of the house. What's what's the situation there? Yeah. If you if you live with somebody, it doesn't matter whose name is on the house. Um, if the let, let's take a situation um, where, you know, it's a boyfriend, girlfriend and the girlfriend moved into the boyfriend's house and it's it's his house. You know, his name's on there. She's been there for nine months or so. Um, she can go in and get a restraining order that will get her boyfriend kicked out of the house. Um, now there might be regulations with that. It might not be a year, you know, you might get 
a three month to allow yourself time to figure out where else to go. What the judges are very careful of in those situations is that it's not a situation where um, it's just false allegations of abuse, or maybe it's a situation where the girlfriend doesn't really care for the boyfriend anymore, but she doesn't want to move out of the house. So she, she claims that just so she can try to stay in the house. Um, you know, the judges can be a little bit more, uh, keep an eye open for those situations, but if there is physical harm or the threat of physical harm or sexual, you know, force in any, any manner, the person, regardless of whether their name's the only one in the house is going to have to leave if you get a restraining order. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, if you're, if you're unsure about your situation, you can call a lawyer and kind of talk about their, you know, talk about it in more detail. Um, there's also the domestic violence hotline that can be very helpful for people who are stuck in this type of situations. You know, there's, there are a lot of outlets out there, whether, you know, you are a survivor of it or whether you're going through it now and you need help getting out of that situation, there are outlets out there. And if you want to call our office, we can provide you with those outlets. If you can't, you know, safely look for them on the internet. We totally understand that. We even have a texting line for our firm. You know, if you, if you can't talk on the phone, we understand those type of situations. But again, what Heather said, you know, if you're in immediate danger, call the police, they are going to be your first point of contact and then contact us and we'll help you. And, and I've also seen situations where, you know, they kind of just do it wrong where they, they leave to, and stay at a friend's house just to get away you know, from the immediate danger. And then instead of putting the address where they were living, you know, they put their friend's address or their parent's address. In those circumstances, it might be harder to get back into the house. And I'm not saying don't leave if there's not danger, but just make sure you're making the court fully aware that that's where you were living and that's where you want to return to, if that is what you wanna do. You know, if you want to move out and use that time to move out, you can arrange, you can ask the judge to have time to get all your belongings to get them out. Um, don't just stay in the house to make the other person's life miserable. You know, if, if you're if your intent is to leave, probably the sooner you can divide yourself from your old situation, the better. But if you don't really have a long term solution or really a short term solution, you can ask the judge to get back into that home, even if you went to stay at a friend's house for a day or two. Yeah. So there's, did you want to add anything as far as like, um, I know you mentioned the third one, the, the one that's more tailored towards a divorce situation. Did you want to go over that a little bit more? Sure. So basically, um, once a divorce is filed, you can, you can file what's called a motion to vacate. And if that's granted, a vacate order is issued. And like I said before, that vacate order basically kicks your spouse out of the house. Now there's case law, the, the burden that has to be shown to get your spouse to leave is very high, almost as high as a restraining order in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there's case law that the husband was smearing basically shit all over the walls and, you know, was being completely inappropriate at home, circumstances that you are not good for kids to be around, but the court found that that wasn't enough. So it can't just be that somebody's annoying or, you know, it has to rise to a certain level. Now, if you're dealing with an alcoholic or you're that, that gets violent, if you're dealing with a drug addict who 
is bringing drugs into the house. If you can, you know, have any of that situation that could likely do it there. Um, if you're dealing with somebody who punches holes in the wall, when they get mad, that might do it. If you're dealing with anybody who has been physically aggressive, that would likely do it, but it's very much the same burden as a restraining order. And it's not just, oh, I don't want to live with this person anymore and we're getting a divorce. So I want him out or I want her out. That's not going to do it. Yeah. Just remember that one. (laughs) (laughs) I want them out. (laughs) Like there's more to it. Um, Okay. So I think that's, that's pretty good, um, you know, kind of overview. Our website has a few blogs where I believe Heather has kind of written out all of this in way more detail for you guys to understand. Um, so, you know, you can go to our website. I, I know we're trying to keep this within a half hour, but I, I would like to touch base on if you get served with a restraining order, yeah. the, um, the important things to do and not do. So if, if you're in a situation where the other side is threatening a restraining order, Take that very seriously, regardless of whether you think there's any basis, you know, and we've seen situations where one person just that's their fallback, you know, they, they come back and they're like, I'm going to get a restraining order, I'm going to call the police every time there's an argument. Take that serious, because if you don't, you might find yourself at the other end of a restraining order. So there's ways to be able to protect yourself if those types of threats start coming out. But if you are served with a restraining order, you do not want to fight with the police officer. And what, what's going to happen is basically we're, they're going to find you. You know, it might be at home. It might be at work. It might be, you know, you're driving, you get pulled over and they're like, hey, we have a restraining order against you. Um, it might be that they can't get in touch with you and they give you a call. If they call you, work with them because avoiding service of a restraining order is only going to make you look bad when you go back into court. If they come to your house and this, this is your typical situation, they come to your house and they knock at the door, they serve you with a restraining order. Again, don't go off on the police. Don't tell the police how wrong it is. Don't tell the police that, you know, the person who got it is just a big liar. Um, Just very calmly, you, you're going to have probably about 10 to 15 minutes tops to collect your things. So don't waste your time arguing with the police. Make sure that if you have prescription medication that you really need, that you go get that because you're going to be out of your house for probably at least 10 days, if not possibly a little bit longer. Um, So make sure you have the things necessary for that 10 day period. Make sure you have copies of your credit card or make sure you have your credit card, your wallet. Um, Make sure that you have, like I said, your prescription medication. If there's other things you take on a regular basis that you need. Make sure you have enough clothes for 10 days. If you have things that you need for work, let's say, you know, right now everybody's doing a lot of virtual stuff. So if you need your laptop, make sure you get your laptop because you are not going to get, be able to get back into that house for at least 10 days, sometimes a little bit longer um, to be able to get your things. So take those things that you, you need. Now, what you're not going to be able to do is say, hey, that's my favorite sofa and that's coming with me. That's not going to happen. It's, it's the things that you're going to need for that 10 day period. After that, when you go back into court, as soon as you get served, that's when you want to hire an attorney. You know, (laughs) you, you, you want the attorney to have enough time to really start a defense for you, but you also want to go to court and try to get the affidavit that Kayla was talking about earlier to see exactly what the allegations are against you. 
because you can think that it's going to be a certain thing. And then you look at the affidavit and it might be totally different. So mm -hmm. the affidavit is very, very important because that's the basis of this restraining order. And that is the basis of your defense is looking at what that is and then trying to figure out ways to be able to come up with an argument and, and tell your side of the story to the judge. Well, you know, trying to beat the credibility of the other side, or it might be something where maybe something really did happen. You know, maybe it was an instance where you lost your temper, you punched a wall. Um, there, there might be a way to be able to work something out where either the restraining order goes away, but certain things are agreed to in family court, or, you know, it's a shorter period of time. But when you go back in, if that restraining order gets extended, you want to make sure you're asking the judge to allow for time for you to go back into the house to get some of the other things you need on a longer term basis. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my, my quick, uh, if you get served, don't be an ass to the police. It's not the time, get your stuff and get out. Yeah. I like what you said about like, you know, when you get served, call an attorney immediately. Like unless, unless you plan on doing everything yourself, that's one thing. But if you need assistance with this, call an attorney as soon as possible, because you're not going to, it's not going to benefit anybody. If you call an attorney the night before your hearing, it's not going to. And it happens all the time. Well, well, people call us and they're like, okay, we have a hearing tomorrow. It's like, well, when did you get served a week and a half ago? Okay. <laughs> you know, there's not too much we can do in a very, very short period of time. Um, it, it, there also might be an instance where, you know, you get served, you hire somebody and there might need to be, you know, deeper, I don't want to say discovery because you can't necessarily do discovery, but there might need to be more prep that goes into it than that short period of time allows. And it might be something where maybe you agree to a two week extension, which sucks because then you're out of your house for another two weeks and you have this order, but it gives yourself a better chance to have a better defense. So not saying that's the case in all situations, but you know, there are some that if you can get your, your witnesses together to come into court on that day, you have a much better defense than if you just show up because it's scheduled. Yeah. So basically, you know, when you get served, get the affidavit, have that ready, call a lawyer, like in that order within like 48 hours immediately, like do that. And, and if you can't get the affidavit, don't let that stop you from hiring an attorney. You know, sometimes the attorneys can get it, especially again, right now where everything's virtual, um, they're a little bit more free flowing with the, with the information from court and getting it to people without making them go in to physically pick it up. Yeah. So. I tell people, I tell them all the time, you know, like call the courthouse and see, don't, don't like drive down there all the way and just, you know, call the courthouse, see if they can, I've had some courthouses email them to people and stuff like that. So it can be very easy, but you know, g give your attorneys enough time because that's, that's the only way that it's going to benefit you the best. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I feel like there's so much more to talk about, but we're trying to keep it to a half hour. So I think that was a pretty good overview. We can definitely, you know, like um, in the future, we can kind of pinpoint one specific order and kind of really focus on that. If yeah, you want. that would work. And for anyone who was watching last week and I said I would be in Mexico instead of with my shark here, um, so my husband, the day before we were supposed to leave on for our honeymoon, um, he spiked a fever. We went and got tested for COVID. I'm negative, or at least I was at that point. He tested positive. So our honeymoon was canceled to, to be continued. So now I'm still just with my, with my shark. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but...
and my very white untanned skin. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for watching. Any questions that you guys have specifically, feel free to email us or message us or text us or whatever. Um, we do this every Friday. So make sure you tune in. You can like us on Facebook. So you make sure you get the notifications. Um, these are also posted to YouTube. So like our channel there. And you know, if you, if you need any help or you know of anyone that needs legal help in regards to restraining orders or custody, divorce, um, anything family law is what we do. And we would be more than happy to help you or them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we are still doing our free divorce yes. giveaway, you know, Valentine's Day is on Sunday. So if you're happily married, remember that if not <laughs> on Monday, so celebrate that holiday, just get some champagne and celebrate it yourself. And remember that we're still doing that divorce uh, giveaway. So you can enter on our website. Um, it is posted here on Facebook. It's kind of posted on everything, I think at this point. So, you know, if you know someone or you yourself are looking for a divorce and you're on good terms and you both agree, make sure that, <laughs> make sure, um, feel free to fill that out and the winner will be announced. Um, the second week in March, correct? I believe, I believe so. I, I think it was March 8th, but I'm not, I, don't quote me on that. It's in March. <laughs> February 28th to apply. Yeah. Um, and then I think next week will be a good time to go over marital agreements. So prenuptial agreements, postnuptial agreements, kind of dive into that, you know, in the spirit of love. Yes, yes. People yeah. are... People, isn't Valentine's Day like the um, besides Christmas? I think the number one engagement holiday. I think so. Probably lots of people getting married. Get well, prenups ready. I think New Year's is another big one. Oh yeah, New Year's as well. But yeah, but Valentine's Day is the same. So. <laughs> Over that to protect yourself and your assets. So no. All right. Well, thank you, and have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks. Bye, bye, everyone. Bye.